amen welcome Lord in this place and we started that song off says you're the reason that we're here Jesus is the reason that we're gathered here this morning and if you if you're not here because of Jesus then I pray throughout this next hour that he transforms your heart but we're, we're gathered here this morning because of Jesus and we welcome you if you are uh, especially if you are guest of Northside Baptist Church we're especially excited to have you here and part of our uh Part of the bulletin that you should have received, you came in the door, has a little tear out where you can put some information on there of how we can get in contact with you and how we can minister to you. We'd love for you to place that in the, offer, in the offering a little bit later and put it in a plate or hand it to a minister at the door at the end of the service. It also has a place where you can put your reservation for Wednesday night supper. So we'd love for you to put that on there as well and fellowship with us on Wednesday night. Except this coming Wednesday night. Um, we're going we're gonna to do something a little different this coming Wednesday night. You'll hear about that in uh, the, the service later. Uh, but right now, I want you to take this opportunity to greet each other and shake somebody's hand and let them know that you're excited to see them in the house of the Lord this morning.
just thank you for one more time to come together to worship you, that and bless you for everything that you give us, the chance to, all the tithes and things you pour out upon us, that we now give offering back to you, and we take that you bless this offering, use it for the furtherance of your kingdom, and that your will and glory be done.
I can have all the kids come on down here with me, please, right here in the front. This will be pretty neat today. No illusions, I'm sorry. <clears throat> this is, anybody tell me what this is? A pumpkin, that's right. Where does a pumpkin come from? A pumpkin patch, that's right. But how do they get to the pumpkin patch? From the ground, and they start out, whoa, with something like this, a seed. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Right, they, they start out as a seed, and they turn into a sprout, and they continue growing on a vine, and they keep going until they get to be a nice, pretty pumpkin, right? Well, you know, when you go out to a pumpkin patch, and you pick that right pumpkin, and you get it, and it's kind of dirty sometimes, isn't it? It's got a lot of dirt on it. You have to clean that off real good. But then what do you do when you get home? You carve it. All right. So you get your pumpkin home. You clean it up. And it looks really pretty on the outside once you clean it. Well, hold on. We're almost there. Makes it really pretty on the outside if you clean it up. But what about the inside? Anybody seen the inside of a pumpkin? Yeah. So you got to open it up. And inside of it, you got all this junk. Look at that. Yeah. Anybody want to touch it? Well, you can touch it. Come on. If you want to touch it, go up here real quick. Just touch it. Make sure you wash your hands when you're done. Okay? And you clean all this junk out. And it's, when you're getting all done, look, it's nice and pretty inside, isn't it? Kind of clean. It's clean, at least. It's not necessarily pretty, but it's clean, right? All the junk is gone. And you take all that junk. See, look at that. This is all the junk that came out of it. There's a whole bunch of it all over that's just nasty and gross okay well this pumpkin is kind of like us when God makes us okay he chooses he, he, he builds us he takes us from a seed and we starts growing us he watered us he keeps us you know healthy keeps the sun from beating down on us too hard and then you know when we get picked when he chooses us you know sometimes we're dirty on the outside right and then, so we'll kind of clean up the outside a little bit, but we can't do much about the inside, can we? No, we have to have Jesus to take care of that for us because God sent his son Jesus down from, from heaven to down the cross for our sins, right? So when Jesus comes down, he comes in, he cleans all this junk out from inside of us, all that sin, right? When, when we do that, we become a new creation. So look. Got a face. Yeah. So we become a new creation. We got a big smile on our face, right? But God's not done with us yet, is He? No, He's not. Because we got to take the light from God. And this one, this one is not very bright, but God's light is super bright. So bright you can't even look at it. But you take God's light and you let it shine from within you. And then you go out and you just show your light to the world. Okay? So that's what we want y'all to do throughout there. So after you get God to take all this sin and junk and nastiness out of you, he creates a new person from you, getting that smile on your face, and then you take that light that he's given you and put that in your heart. 
y'all lit. All right, now put everything back. Put everything back on the tray. I don't want y'all to get all dirty in your nice Sunday clothes. All right, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we thank you for giving us items like this pumpkin that we can learn about you and how you, that you cultivate us. You grow us, Lord, in, in what you want us to do. You sent your son down to help us clean all the junk out of our lives. If we give it all to you, that you create a new creature in us, Lord, and then we let our light shine uh, throughout the world. In your precious name we pray. Amen. And we have victory in Jesus today. Let's stand and sing about it. Ann, I want to ask if you would please be seated. 
Uh, you know, last week we talked about a missions moment, and so we're going to continue that uh, today. I want to ask Mark Runyons to come up and share a little bit about a missions moment that's coming up for us just this week. All right, our uh, missions and evangelism team met uh, recently, and one of the things that came out of that was we want to engage our community uh, more with the gospel and give more opportunities to meet our our neighbors and friends and, uh, and invite them to church and tell them about Jesus. And so this Wednesday, as was mentioned earlier, we will not be having services here or activities here because we've encouraged our adult Sunday school classes to have uh, outreaches at their homes. This Wednesday, we'll be having people come to our houses looking for candy and looking for handouts. And so what better opportunity than when our neighbors are coming to us and when the community is coming to us share a little bit about Jesus to meet them and engage them with the gospel and tell them about our church. And so we've asked each adult class to come up with one home or two homes where they can get together and um, be creative about meeting the neighbors. I know that we did this a few years ago in our neighborhood. We pretty much just handed out hot chocolate and it was cold and it was everybody received it and they would stop a little bit longer and we'd have time to talk to them. And I remember, you know, you see those trucks with the uh, trailer full of kids on the back. Well, they'd come and they would stop and the kids would disperse to go get candy and we would get time to talk to the adults driving the trucks. And so um, so we be creative. If, if your class, I've heard of two or three, I've heard of three at least that are doing this. And so that's awesome. And if your class would still like to participate, you can talk to me about it. We can give you some literature to kind of hand out about the church. But just be creative in how we're meeting folks who are actually coming to our doors. And so what a great opportunity to share about Jesus, to meet folks, to make that connection, and to tell them about our church. So I'm excited about Wednesday, and we're looking forward to hearing next week uh, about maybe some encounters that we've had. So we'll be praying. We need to be praying through this. We're praying for it on Wednesday, praying for these opportunities to, to meet folks and tell them about Jesus. Thank you. Amen. And so I do have a few of our pamphlets for uh, that talk, talk about our church. And I didn't, I didn't print 5,000 of them because the idea is this, we're not, just, not to just hand out to everybody. What, I, what we really want you to do is engage in conversation. And when you have that good conversation and you make that, that initial relationship, then if they want some more, you can hand those out. So if you need some, pick some up. They're out on the welcome desk. Thank you, Mark, for sharing that. I want to take this opportunity right now to pray for that event. So if you will, please bow your heads and let's, let's pray. Father, I thank you for the mission evangelism team and the, the, the vision they have of getting our church involved in our community. Lord, I pray for the host homes that you would bless them, that you would bless the efforts of these Sunday school classes as, as we go out and share your word, that we want to be invitational in our community. But Father, most of all, that you would be honored and glorified. So Lord, may we take this time that uh, may look like everything on the outside, a time to dress up and receive candy. May we take the opportunity to share the gospel the only thing that really changes our life, Jesus Christ. May you be honored. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You can go ahead and turn now to the book of Acts. I want to tell you, I'll give you a little story as we, as we get there. Acts chapter 19 is where we'll be today. A few years ago, I, I was able to, in my previous church, we take a mission trip to Peru. Uh, went to Peru. I went to Peru three times. And one of the tr one, one of the little side uh, kind of a, a side excursion, if you will, 
on, on each of our trips was to go to a little town called Yungai, Peru. Yungai, Peru. Uh, now, that's the town where we would meet. That's the town we had a pastor in that town, and that's where we did our mission. That's where our base was. But that town, that town has only existed since about the mid-70s. But there's another town. It's now a graveyard. There's, it's, it's, it's a cemetery. It's a few miles up the road that that town had existed for a very long time, up until 1970. In 1970, there was, a, there was a massive earthquake in the Andes Mountains, and a portion of the mountain, Huascaran, came tumbling down, uh, came, came tumbling down the mountain during this earthquake and went right down into the valley and just covered the town of Yungay, Peru, and killed thousands of people there. Uh, so I had heard this story before, and so we would visit visit the cemetery. It, it is it is a cemetery. There, there there are very few grave markers or that kind of thing. But you go through and you see some really astonishing things. You'll see pillars that are is, is all that's left of the Catholic Church. That's kind of was the center of of town. There's one really interesting but disturbing picture. There's there's a bus that was just rolled up. And, and it's just it's just like scrap metal, but there's a big sign on it that says, at one time, this was a bus. But as you, as you visit this place, there, there, there were some of the bodies were recovered, and there's a big mausoleum-type thing up on the, on the side, up on a hill. And so there's some, there, there, there are a few grave markers there. But there's this enormous, enormous statue of, of Jesus on top of this, on top of this mausoleum, and, and he's standing and he's facing the mountain with his hands, not, not like this, but with his hands like this. And I asked one of our tour guides one time, one of our translators, I said, now, I'm just curious, Jesus is facing the mountain here and he's got his hands out like this. He said, oh yeah, he said, they built that. They built that because that was as Jesus was telling the mountain, please stop, this is enough. I said, well, that, that's kind of interesting, it's kind of interesting. I said, but uh, so tell me a little bit more about what happened and everything that took place that day. He said, oh, it was very evil. I said, very evil? What do you mean it was very evil? He said, well, uh, the mountain came down, and that was God's vengeance on this town. And I thought, come on now. Really? You, you're going to say there was an earthquake and it was God's vengeance? Are we really going to go there? I mean, I, but, but I listened, and he said, he said, yeah. He said, what you don't realize is there was a Catholic church in town. And the Catholic Church was the center of this town, but the priests, over time, the fathers who were there, had blended in a lot with some of the local religion. And so you could come into the church, you could come into the church and pray for your ancestors and pay money for your ancestors and light a candle and hope to, to get them up to heaven or whatever. But you could also come in, you could also come in and have and ask the priests, Pay, pay some money and have a curse placed on anybody that you wanted to. Place a curse on people in this town. And I was like, well, <laughs> you're, you, you've got my intrigue now. That definitely sounds evil. Yeah, that definitely sounds evil. You should go to the church to place a curse on somebody. That, that sounds evil. But I, I'm just not so sure that still I'm ready to buy that God did this. And he said, well, what you've got to realize is the day of the earthquake, there was a circus in town. I was like, well, now that's all right. <laughs> What does that have to do with anything? It says, it was on the other side of that hill right there. And there were hundreds of children that were at the circus that did not die in the earthquake and in the, in the landslide. The children were spared. 
And I stopped for a minute and I thought, maybe there's something to this. Maybe there's something to this. I'm not ready to just say God uses earthquakes to, to abolish people. I, I don't know. That's, that's a big theological jump for me. I know he's capable. Okay, he's capable of doing that. But I thought, man, this is a picture of spiritual warfare. This is a picture of spiritual warfare. As we look at the book of Acts, chapter 19, I begin reading in verse 11. I ask if you would please stand with me for the reading of God's word. Acts 19, 11. God was performing extraordinary miracles by Paul's hands so that even face claws or work aprons that had touched his skin were brought to the sick and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists attempted to pronounce the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I command you in the name, uh, I, I command you by the Jesus that Paul preaches. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. The evil spirit answered them, I know Jesus, and I recognize Paul, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them all, and prevailed against them, so that they ran out of that house naked and wounded. This became known to everyone who lived in Ephesus, both Jews and Greek. Then fear fell on all of them, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you that you've preserved it for us throughout the ages. Speak to us now, and may we listen. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So the first part, we left off last week at the end of chapter 18. The first part of chapter 19, we see Paul encountering some believers in the city of Ephesus who had received baptism of repentance from John's baptism, but they had not received baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is a great passage to talk about the need for baptism as we follow through. If, if you've never been baptized after you've come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, Paul asks a question here and says, then into what were you baptized? What baptism did you were, were, were you baptized with? If you've never followed through with believer's baptism, what baptism did you have? And he goes through and they correct that. They, they, they're baptized and they receive the Holy Spirit. And now as we move through, we see Paul continuing to preach and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And not only that, we see him performing miracles. Now, it's interesting to me to, to, to look at the location. It's in the city of Ephesus. Ephesus is a major city in this time. It's a banking hub. But there was a satanic grip on its citizens. God used his servants to display astonishing works. So what's really going on here? What's really going on here as we, as we look at this, this passage? Well, first of all, God's performing miracles through his people. God's performing miracles through his people. Now, this isn't the first time that this has happened. If you remember in, in Acts chapter 2, we looked, at, we looked at what was taking place in the very early days of the, of the church. Acts 2.42 says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and breaking of bread and to the prayers. Then fear came on everyone. Listen, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. You see, those are the same words that were attested to Jesus just previously to say that many signs and wonders, this is how he, he, he presented himself as, as Messiah. He was performing all these miracles. And now we see this in the apostles. And now, in the city of Ephesus, 
we see this coming through the hands of Paul. Through the hands of Paul. Listen, church, I don't know about you. I want God to use my hands. I want God to use my hands. I want him to use my feet. I want him to use my voice. I want God to use me. I want God to use me. Now look, it makes a distinction in verse 12, makes a distinction between healing of the sick and casting out demons. And the only reason I mention that is because sometimes we think that, well, all the demonic forces before we understand now are really psychological disorders. There's a, there's a distinction made here. There's physical ailments and there's, ex there's exorcism of demons. Those are two different things. And I said that I want the Lord to use me. I want the Lord to use me. He may not work miracles through my hands or your hands. But we can certainly give ourselves to God. We can certainly give ourselves to God. And when we do that, who knows if we may see miracles? Who knows if we may see miracles when we place ourselves into the Lord's hands and he uses us? Who knows how he will use us? No eye has seen, no ear has heard what the Lord has in store for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. We just don't know. So we place ourselves in God's hands and we trust him. But listen, listen, the miracles wrought by the apostles are never presented as, as ends unto themselves. We don't perform miracles just so we can say, hey, we just saw a miracle. They were always there as an opportunity, as an opportunity or as assistance to faith and commitment. We see that here. Fear fell on everyone when these miracles were performed, and they came to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And don't miss this. Don't miss this. Again, where do these things take place? In Ephesus. In Ephesus. I said it like this. Paul was demonstrating God's power in Satan's living room. Satan had a grip on this town Satan had a grip on this town. His evil presence was all over this town. And Paul is walking in there in the power name of Jesus Christ and performing miracles in Satan's living room because there's power in the name of Jesus. There were so many wonderful byproducts of these miracles. But I guess as it is with men, sometimes these miracles impacted the wrong crowd because they just didn't see it. They were blind. So the second thing we see here is that uh, there were Jewish exorcists and Jewish mag uh, magicians that attempted to imitate what Paul was doing. They attempted to imitate what Paul was doing. They were claiming the name of Jesus, but they didn't know Jesus. Listen, Satan will often attempt to imitate God's work. Go back and look at, look at Moses before Pharaoh. Look at all the imitation that was taking place there. God's power is greater. Satan has power, no doubt. But his work is a, as, as an imitation of Jesus. Look, 2 Corinthians highlights this for us. 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15. For such people are false prophets, deceitful workers, distinguished, uh, excuse me, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's no great thing if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their destiny will be according to their works. People try to imitate God and they call his name and they don't know what they're doing. And 
they do it for their own benefit, their destiny will be according to their own works. Because here's the problem, and it's no small matter. Look at look at what look at what the sons of Sceva said. Look at look at verse thirteen. I command you. I command you by the Jesus that Paul preaches. I command you by the Jesus that Paul preaches. There's no personal relationship there for these guys. I'd say it like this. Your mama's faith won't do for you. Your mama's faith ain't good enough for you. It's a personal relationship. Just because you're sitting by a Christian doesn't mean that you are a Christian. Just because you know somebody who knows the Lord doesn't mean that you know the Lord. Your mama's faith won't do. Your mama's faith won't do. It's, it's, it's a personal relationship between you and the Lord. You've got to get to that point. Listen, Matthew uh, re records the words of Jesus for us in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers, or you workers of iniquity. Lord, I don't want to hear those words. I don't want to hear those words. Lord, know me. The children's song we sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. I've heard it reversed a little bit. Jesus knows me, and this I love. Does Jesus know you? Do you know Jesus? There's a personal relationship. Look, the name of Jesus, it's not just some magical incantation or a lucky charm. No, it's the name of the King of kings and Lord of lords. It's the name of the Messiah, the Son of God. It's a holy name. Just putting a cross around your neck doesn't do anything for you. Just wearing a scripture on your wrist or, or on your shirt, that doesn't determine your eternal destination. You, stop, you slap a bumper sticker on your car, that doesn't mean that you're going to be a Christian. There's more to it than that. It's more to it than just throwing out the name of Jesus, slapping it on something that was never intended for it to be. And what does this mean? This is Matthew chapter 7 that I just read about... Many will, will, will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? And they'll say, depart from me, for I never knew you. What does this mean? It means that there are folks in our churches all across the country today, all across the world, there are folks in our churches that are just taking up space. There are people in our churches that don't really know the Lord, that aren't really saved, that are not disciples of Jesus Christ, breaks my heart. Dr. Johnny Hunt says you have ritual without relationship. Ritual without relationship. Let's keep going. Because what we see happens whenever you try to claim the name of Jesus and you've never really given your life to him. Look at this. The demon prevails. The demon prevails. You may think you're saved, but here's a question. Here's a question. Look at verse 15. I know Jesus, and I recognize Paul, but who are you? Who are you? 
that I should pay you any attention. Are you with Jesus? Because I hadn't heard of you. Who are you? You coming at me? I know Jesus. I've heard about Paul. But who are you? Who are you? I've heard it said like this, are you on hell's most wanted list? Is there a poster of you in, in hell? Satan says, we got to get him. we got to go after her. They're doing things for the kingdom. we got to stop this. Or do they look around and say, don't worry about him or her. They think they're with Jesus, but nah, we don't even know. We don't, we're not concerned with them. They're not doing anything for the kingdom. Let them keep on going. We'll direct our attention on somebody who is. Look, the word used here, and I want to, I want to make this distinction. The word used here when he talks about Jesus is, I know Jesus is a Greek word, gnosko. When he talks about un, uh, recognizing or hearing of Paul, it's, a, it's another word that can be translated no, but it's a different Greek word. It's epistemi. You don't have to go from here and be able to, to share the Greek, but I, I make this distinction to you. Gnosko is, is a type of knowledge that's by experience. Epistemi is to know by reason or, or thought or, or, or hearsay. And here's the difference. Here's the difference. You can either know about the Grand Canyon, for instance, because you've read something in a book or you've seen some videos or seen pictures. You can say, yeah, I think I know about the Grand Canyon. Or you can know it by experience because you've been there, you've looked and you've seen and you've, you've, you've hiked it. Maybe you've gone down the river. There's a difference that you know it, gnosko. He says, I know Jesus. I've had experience with him before. And I've heard about Paul because his name is being... His name has is, is come up when we have our little demon meetings. And they say, we've got to go after this guy. James 2.19 says, you believe that there is one God? You do well. Even the demons believe. They tremble. They tremble at the name of Jesus. When's the last time you've come before the Lord and you were just in awe and you tremble in the presence of God I said that the demon prevails he asked them who are you and then he beat the stew out of them or as I would say growing up man he told it a whooping these guys got whipped said he beat up all seven of them and took their clothes and sent them home running the demon prevailed. The demon prevailed. And again, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Where? In the city of Ephesus. Hold your place right there in Acts and turn over to Ephesians, if you would. The letter written by Paul to the church in Ephesus. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. I'll start with 10 through 13, and then we'll get to the rest. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. This is why you must take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. This is the letter that Paul writes later to the church in Ephesus. And I don't have a military background, but if I, 
maybe I'm wrong, you can correct me later, but this looks like an administrative plan. Any, uh, I don't, if, that, if, that's not, if that's not military lingo, I apologize. <clears throat> a military, uh, you know, administrative plan here. This, this is what we got. First of all, rely on your strength. Now, don't be deceived. Rely on your strength. Look back, look back at, at verse 9. Be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Don't think that you have strength unto your own. Be strengthened by the Lord and his vast strength. So you rely on that strength whenever you encounter an evil day. The second thing is we need to identify the enemy. Identify the enemy. Look at verse 12. He lays out there for us. It's not flesh and blood. It's not people that are our enemies. Man, we miss that boat so many times. In our own marriages, at the polls, the political polls, in the classroom, in the hallway, at work, and in church. It's not people. It's not people that we're fighting against. Rulers, authorities, world powers of this darkness against spiritual forces. Spiritual forces. Identify the enemy. Know that it's Satan who wants to bring division in your marriage. It's Satan that wants to bring division in your home. It's Satan that wants to trip you up and make you stumble. And so direct your attention at Satan. He's the one. He's the one that's coming at you. And his demons come with him. And finally, let's continue with verse 14. Stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with the readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take the shield of faith, and with it you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is God's word. Finally, put on your armor. Put on your armor. Wear your armor. Be strengthened with God's strength. Identify the enemy for who he really is and put on your armor so that you may be able to stand. The belt of truth. Listen, the truth will stand when all else fails. Those who know the truth don't have to get excited or loud about it. They don't have to get angry defending the truth because the truth defends on its own. It, it doesn't need defending. The truth stands. The truth will stand. Righteousness. It's not mine, but it's the Lord's. The great exchange, he took my sin and I take his righteousness. Because my righteousness is like a heap of filthy rags. I put on his righteousness. And I look and I say, Satan, quit trying to talk about me, about all my, about all my unrighteous deeds. It's not about my righteousness or unrighteousness. It's all about the righteousness of Christ. The gospel of peace, Romans 12, 18, if possible, on your part, live at peace with everyone. In the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Are you someone that can be characterized as a peacemaker? And then carry with you the shield of faith. Know that it's the Lord's strength and it's him who fights. You place your faith in Jesus Christ and he is the one who's fighting for you. He's the one who's already fought for you. He distinguishes the arrows of the evil one. Place on yourself the helmet of salvation. The Lord has already saved you from Satan. 
So don't let his tactics draw you in and lose the little battle. Realize the victory is yours in Christ Jesus. It's his salvation. He's already spared you from eternal damnation. And then the word of God. Respond with scripture. Respond with biblical truth. And, be, and respond in a way that shows you understand biblical truth and character. This is how we take on the evil principalities and authorities of this world. Listen. What do we say about all of this? First of all, spiritual warfare is real. Spiritual warfare is real. Now, does God normally operate by sending an earthquake or a hurricane? I, I, I shared that story up front. I don't think he normally operates that way. I, maybe he can. The hurricane that happened... In uh, the, the, the flood in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina, the, the flood that was there, uh, the seminary that was there received a great deal of flooding. Yet the French Quarter was pretty much on high ground. If God was going to destroy something in the city, I think I'm just saying He would have taken out the the French Quarter and Bourbon Street and all the vile things that happened there, as opposed to flood on the seminary. I don't think it's normally that he operates that way. But spiritual warfare is certainly real. And my heart breaks for those who don't see it. You've got to understand it. Just like Elijah prayed, Lord, open our eyes that we may see. Spiritual warfare is real. Second thing, do not take the name of Jesus lightly. Don't take the name of Jesus lightly. And don't just slap it on something to make it sound like it's spiritual. Listen, God didn't flip a coin for you to see if he was going to save you. He didn't, he didn't win a rousing round of rock, paper, scissors over the devil for you. There's a battle, a war, and he gave his life for you. He gave his life for you, for your heart. Don't take it lightly. Jesus died on the cross for me, for you, in my place, in your place. How dare we take it lightly? Sons of Sceva learned that lesson. When Satan shows up, will he recognize you? Will he know to associate you with Jesus? Or will he chew you up and spit you out like a son of Sceva? When you put yourself in the hand of Jesus, what might the Lord do through you? That's my last question to you this morning. What might the Lord do through you? He worked through Paul and he protected Paul. And then look at verse 17. I read it before. Look at verse 17. They became known to everyone who lived in Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks. Listen. Then fear fell on all of them, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified is your life about making yourself known or making Jesus known is your life about glorifying yourself or glorifying Jesus I love our illustration we had down here this morning Jesus says let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven sometimes when it comes to salvation Sometimes when the church begins to talk about salvation, we do, it in, we do it injustice because we emphasize too much the afterlife. 
We emphasize too much what happens when we take our last breath here on this earth. But Jesus, Jesus' salvation is for today and it's for tomorrow. It's for the day after that and for all of eternity. Don't be like the sons of Sceva. Don't just come and claim to be a Christian but not really know the Lord. Don't just come to church out of a ritual and not a relationship. Don't just stick the name of Jesus on something when you don't have a relationship with him. Be like Paul. Put yourself in Jesus' hands. Say, use me. Use me. And just see what happens. Let's pray. Lord, we don't like to talk about spiritual warfare because it's something that we don't always understand and we, we can't really see it with our physical eyes and we can't, we, we can't handle it with our own hands but Lord it's real in fact I, I, I say it's more real than the things we can touch and see because it, it's it's eternal there's, an, there's, 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 a, there's a war going on Father I don't know I'd be naive to think that everybody in here today is a Christian if we look at statistics across the board there may be dozens of people in here who don't know you. And God, may today be the day of salvation. May they come to know you today. Lord, may we never take what Jesus has done lightly. Thank you. Let us put on that helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. May we gird our feet with the readiness of the gospel of peace. May we hold up the shield of, of faith and go forward with the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Each and every day, we never know, we never know when Satan is coming. <laughs> you told Cain, you told Cain, sin is lurking at the door. Sin is always lurking at the door. Satan is like a crouching lion just waiting to jump. So God, let's nail this down and get it right, right now. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I ask if you would please stand, and we've got a song of commitment, and I don't know where the Lord may be leading you today. If you want to join this church, come and let's talk about what that looks like. If you want to give your life to Jesus today, let's celebrate what that looks like. The Lord may be leading you in, in, in some other direction, but however he's leading, you follow. You follow. Let's sing. <clears throat>
been good to worship today in the house of the Lord. Um, I want to ask at this time if you would please be seated. Uh, if you are some of our guests, you, you'll need to know we uh, are about to move into a business meeting, and, and you're welcome to stay, uh, but uh, you, are, you are also welcome to go ahead and leave at this time. And so I want to give just, just a minute or two for that, and I want to ask uh, who? Bill going to come forward to give a presentation from the committee or what's that why don't we do that yes sir <laughs> I apologize uh, you come forward and, and close us out in a word of, of prayer small administrative announcement that BJ was leading to at first uh, after the prayer we're going to break up for just a moment five to ten minutes back and have a question and answer period for the search committee and then we'll we, when we reconvene the members should come back for that question and answer period and uh, then we will have the vote so let's pray God we're so grateful that we that we know you we're so grateful that we're part of this church and just a small part of the bride of Christ For those of us that do know you, we are so happy that, that we have that opportunity, but Lord, we long for that day where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess your name. So I pray that uh, you will use us as instruments to just be a small reflection of Jesus and as we go out into this world this week, as we face the spiritual forces of evil, that we will know you. We can, in our acts, in our deeds, in our words, and that we would be that reflection and seek your face only and point everyone we meet and everyone that sees us to you for your glory. And we ask this in the powerful name.